This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. This is a very special episode of What's Eric Eating. We will not be doing the news of the week or the restaurant of the week. Instead, we are going to take a look back at the year in dining. We're going to talk about some of our favorite meals, uh, some of the saddest closings, and a couple other topics. To do that, I am joined by three of my regular co-hosts i will introduce you in no particular order as i'm looking at this zoom screen he is a houston hospitality veteran and a co-founder of the houston barbecue festival michael fulmer welcome to the show always good to be here she is the owner of avondale food and wine mary clarkson welcome to the show howdy happy to be here she is an expert on food wine and good times Felice Simmons, welcome to the show. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> All right, y'all. I have given you some topics to think about. You know, I was on the CityCast podcast last week with former my f- beloved former Gal Media colleague, Raheel Ramzanali, and he asked me, what's the biggest story in Houston food of 2023? And he caught me a little bit off guard. And my first instinct was to say that Street to Kitchen winning the James Beard Award for Best Chef Texas was the biggest story in Houston food. But but I've put this to you guys, and, and I've asked you to think about what, what will you remember most about dining in Houston in 2023? So, Felice, why don't we, why don't we kick it off with you? What, what, was your, what was your answer to that question? I mean, no, honestly, I think... Um... For me, I think that was like one of the biggest because you and I, first of all, because we called it, right? Like I called it just based <laughs> on, yeah, let's go with that. Um, the the politics of it, the timing of it, it was deserved, all of the things. And yeah, I, th- I think it was some of the biggest um, news for Houston and Houston is just like um, spotlighted right now and it's hot. so. For me, it was one of the hottest stories coming out of Houston food this year. Yeah, and certainly, you know, it had been a few years since uh, Houston Chef had won one of the regional James Beard Awards. The the Best Chef Texas Award was new as of uh, 2022. So Benjamin Painter, the chef at Street to Kitchen, is is only the second person to win it. And and there is something sort of quintessentially Houston about a 35 seat restaurant and a gas station being the best restaurant in the city or the best restaurant in the state. Yep. And of course it's, it's fueled a lot of growth for them, right? They, they have now moved into a bigger, better, nicer location, a little bit down Harrisburg. So, you know, it, in terms of opening doors, obviously it opened a lot of doors for wider recognition for, for what they're doing. So I, I, I do think that's one of the big stories of the year, but, but Michael, let me put it to you. I mean, what do you, what, what else will you remember about this year in dining? Well, I think what we just talked about obviously dominated the news. Um, I guess for me, you know, when I kind of reflect back and see, you know, everything in the last 12 months or so, for me, I guess the big news would be that it's not just that we've come out of COVID. It's like we're in fifth gear with restaurants opening and continuing to open. And it's exciting, it's daunting, it's challenging, you know, and it's invigorating to see not just tried and true operators, you know, who are now op- opening multiple places and growing, but new people coming into the scene, chefs coming back into our world. It's like, for someone who works in the industry, for me, it's just, it's great to see. It's like, I really, it doesn't feel like we've returned to normalcy. It feels like we're like, it, we've got taken the next level up and it's, um, it's it's fantastic, I think. Yeah, no, I I think that's well said. I I you know I had a a veteran restaurateur message me recently, sort of like, 
you know, where are all the customers for these places going to come from? Like, where are all the, you know, all of these restaurants? Closures of other restaurants. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, how, I think, how are they going to staff them? You know? Yeah, how are they going to staff yeah, them? Yeah, that's the question. How are they going to staff them, right? Right. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I think there's sort of a lot, you know, but yes, this, ex this incredible explosive growth has been, yeah, certainly one of the, one of the, one of the big stories of the year. Mary, how about you? What will you remember uh, from this year in dining? I will remember just kind of this like, second coming of Italian restaurant openings. That seems to be the most like on trend thing ever going on right now. And more sushi restaurants than I ever remember, especially elevated ones. Um, those really do seem to be top trends going on right now in the city. Yeah, I mean, it's been a kind of a year of different restaurants that we maybe have not had a lot of or have not been paying a lot of attention to uh, in terms of their style, like really blowing up in a big way. I mean, you know, you mentioned sushi as one possibility, but, you know, I think about seafood you know, yeah. starts with Navy Gulf Blue Coast at the end seafood. of last year. Yeah. Right. Little's Oyster Bar, which I know we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, Balboa Surf Club, Clark's from Austin. Uh, it's been a good year for French restaurants, Annabelle Brasserie. Uh, you and I talked about Cocody last week. O'Tour has is, is been a favorite of mine. And then, you know, PS21, Philippe Schmidt's restaurant. And then pizza, like all the pizza. Uh, Nono's Family Pizza Tavern, Coastline. Elro, Gold Tooth Tony's, you know, I even went all the way out to out to Richmond to try a place called Cup and Char that does, you know, Buffalo style deep dish pizza. It's been it's been a great year for pizza, you know, and I, and I think I think all of those things. But then the other the other thing that I've been sort of contemplating is that this is the year of the reboot, right? This is the year when existing restaurants left their original location and moved to a new location and and found more vitality or more like, you know, they they took the lessons of the original location and refined it. And now they're better than ever. And, and just uh, the ones that came to mind for me, we talked about La Grilla very recently, you know, that's, that's a whole new restaurant in a new space. Uh, we haven't talked about wild oats yet, but you know, Fulmer uh, and Felice, you guys, you guys went there with me recently. We had a really nice dinner. We've talked about street to kitchen some already. Obviously their new space has been a big change for them. Uh, the Blind Goat, Christine Haas restaurant moved from a food hall to a, a full service location in Spring Branch. And then a restaurant we haven't really talked about recently, but Belly of the Beast, Thomas Billy's Mexican concept reemerged in spring a few weeks ago. I had dinner out there recently, a really good dinner out there. And it feels like a, a much more refined version of itself than that, you know, original location that we enjoyed so much in, in 2020 and 21. Michael, I don't know. What do you what do you make of this this trend of restaurants relocating? It's an interesting dynamic because it's very expensive for an operator to do that. I mean, you've already got a space, you've got a lease, you've got all these expenses that you put into where you are, and so to kind of pick it up and do it all over again is is a decided risk. And you know, all of these the ones that you just mentioned are these are pretty seasoned operators. Uh, so I, I don't think this was like on a lark. I think they've been really smart decisions for the most part. And so it's just a chance for them to like say, hey, we've got a good idea. But for us to succeed, we need to put more seat people in the seats. And our space just doesn't allow for that. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's what drives it mostly. Yeah. I mean, Mary, you know, we we know that, you know, some of these things have been, you know, lease related. Right. Certainly that's what that's what drove La Grilla. You know, Wild Oats was probably the right the right idea, but the wrong location. Uh, you know, Street to Kitchen obviously had its its big moment and, and took an opportunity to move. But what do you what do you make of this? I mean, you know, you've opened restaurants, you've helped other people find locations for restaurants. What do you what do you make of this trend? I think, you know, it makes sense if you're in growth mode um, and or your lease has ended or is about to end and you're planning for the future. Obviously, for Street to Kitchen, them moving the owner of the center that they moved to, that was a huge coup for them to get street to kitchen that center arguably had struggled a little bit so street to kitchen got to seize on that and hopefully got a very favorable deal um, for doing that but you just you know planning for the future it entails risk and great expense it costs a real amount of money to relocate and enter into a new uh, lease and to sign up for something like that I think a lot of people outside of our industry don't understand that 
when you sign a restaurant lease, it could be for five, 10, 15, 20 years, depending on it. So a lot of forethought goes into decisions like these. And Street to Kitchen is a great example of a perfect transition. They needed more seats. They probably needed a bigger kitchen, more parking, just closer access to their customers. And so even moving five or six minutes closer to downtown, I think is going to help them a lot. Felice, I mean, you know, you you went to Wild Oats with me. I mean, cite, cite that as an example of, of maybe what you see about this trend. Well, for me, I thought, you know, I love that they've moved to Spring Branch, right? We talked about, like, we talk about it all the time. Spring Branch is hot, up and coming, and where they're located, if you're someone familiar with that side of town, it's a great, you're not kind of like in the mix of where everyone's going, but it's kind of in the perfect location far as kind of where, you know, what they've kind of set up. Um, it's easy in, easy access. It's a smart move for them because um, where they were located, I mean, at the time, that area where they went into um, that airline area, I think it was seemed like it was a good idea and maybe it worked for the time. I didn't particularly, I wasn't going to be going over there like that a whole lot, you know, for me. For well, and, and I don't think, I don't, I don't think it was just you. I, I don't think very many people <laughs> made their way over there, right? Like, you know? I, I think it was a, right. So at the, the idea at the time, I think we talked about it. Like, well, we'll see um, what kind of comes of it. I, in theory, it seemed like it made sense, but I'm like, mm, I don't see, it just didn't make sense. But we'll, you know, it's one of those things, we'll see when it opens, right? So this concept seems like a much better concept. It was kind of, I went back and we'll talk, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but went back the other night, I mean, it was colder, um, it wasn't as busy, but you could see it's going to be picking up. Even though it was like cold out there, people were picking up. It was getting it right, like they're getting it. So I think it's a much better location. It's much. It makes more sense to be in an up and coming area. Spring Branch is hot, so I I think um, some of the relocations make a lot more sense. You know, if you can afford it kind of what everyone's saying. If it makes sense, you can afford it, do it. I always say, listen to your customers, right? Your customers yep. will tell you what mm -hmm. you are and, <laughs> and where you need to be, right? So I yep. think that, I think the development, redevelopment of, of the market where they were wasn't as successful as it was pitched to be, right? And that's just not a place where people go to dine. It's where they go to shop. And so you can't force it down the consumer's throat. So they'll tell you, they'll, 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 they'll tell you, they'll tell you what, what you are and where you're supposed to be. And, you know, you got to listen to them. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, or you have some early execution issues uh, on placement. And like you said, that was kind of, we're talking about the airline seafood, you know, market yes. area that was kind mm -hmm. of build as this kind of be this new sort of, epicenter of, of Houston dining and, and walking and, and shopping is kind of this be all end all kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, certainly wasn't that, uh, there was no signage. There's a lot of things, but I think looking at a positive side on this is that they've moved to a very vibrant location that's up and coming. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the, the, the purse, you know, the price per square footage is, is hopefully down on that. And like and like Felice said, there's like there's so much coming to Spring Branch. And as, as we've looked through the trends and where restaurants open and where we see, you know, greater openings is, you know, the Montrose is it's really expensive, you know, and the heights. Yes, there's still room for growth, but once again, really expensive. So where do you go that you can afford, but you're still going to see traffic and still vibrant, you know, uh, and I think Spring Branch kind of fills that slot. Yeah. And, and I think I think for those reasons, it's no surprise that sort of two of the places that we're talking about. Wild Oats and the Blind Goat are are now in Spring Branch, right? And and when, you know, Michael, when we went to the Blind Goat, like we were, I mean, we were delighted. It was it was very busy. And and that's been true for the other times I've visited the Blind Goat, that it's been they've they've really found an, an audience there. And and I think, you know, that's all to the good. And it and they they did the, you know, the sandwich concept right there too in the drive-through. And, you know, that's that's their new home. And and I think it, you know, it's terrific that it's working out so well. I followed Fulmer last week 
and went to Lega Raul. I saw his post and was like, that's where I'm going for lunch. <laughs> that area. I was, I was like, that looks so good. That's I w- didn't know where I was going. I'm like, that's it. I'm going where Fulber went. But that area is booming. I do think it's going to get as expensive as the Heights really quickly, though. I see yeah. rental rates. It already is. It already is. The real estate. It's yeah. not cheap. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good place to wrap that part of the conversation up. So let's move on to our our best new restaurants of 2023. Felice, let's start with you. What What were your top three new restaurants that opened this year? Um. So I'll start with Rado Market was definitely one of um my top picks for a couple of reasons. I love that the neighborhood, and we talked about this a lot, Eric. Um, I think that love letter from Chris Williams to the neighborhood, and that's what it is to me. It's a love letter back to, you know, his neighborhood. And it um the food is great. That is like a great little market. It's um you can get breakfast, you can get lunch. Then you got the little wine mart. You have local vendors able to sell sell different things there. And you know, the sandwiches, the salads. We, you know, we had a great, we had a great lunch there. Um, I've yet to get breakfast. You know, they took breakfast away. They started breakfast, they took it away, and it was only on weekends. Now it's back during the week. So I'm definitely going to get back over there so I can get the breakfast. Um, so that was one of my favorites. Little's Oyster Bar. I know that's one of your favorites. Love, love, love the entire menu. And Uchiko, I have gotten back over there a couple more times. And um, those are my three favorites. Those are my like my top three favorites this year so far. All right. Well, I, I, I suspect we're all going to have a little more to say about Little's oyster bar, but but yeah, that's Mary, why I left it. That's yeah, why yeah, yeah. Right no, there. no. We'll 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 get into that. We'll get into that Correct. in a, in, a, in a little more detail. But Mary, what about you? Correct. What are your top three uh, best new restaurants of the year? Ooh, okay. I'm gonna mix it up a little. Um, I might be stealing one from you, but that's okay. Uh, ladies first. Katami is my favorite of the year. To be honest, uh, I just think Katarabata's newest iteration of sushi is great it's very expensive so i won't be going there all the time but it it is a place that i'll be looking forward to and i want to try their lunch when it comes out um and i'm gonna go a little uh little surprise here with i i'm excited about where it will be going i don't think it's there yet but clark's oyster bar from austin i'm a ut alum larry's a friend of mine uh i'm excited i'm excited that they're here and i think they'll only get better with time and then number three i'm a high low girl so gold tooth tony's (laughs) that pizza is delicious uh and a welcome addition to the heights i did not see i did not see you picking gold tooth tony's but i i will say i I, I like a curveball high low baby (laughs) i I think that's right up her alley She's a high low girl. I think that's well said. I had I had lunch there with this weekend. I think what Anthony's doing over there is is really good. Um, this shit is fire. That's yeah. like yum yum double yum. <laughs> All right, uh, and then Michael, how about you? Yeah, I thought about this and was conscious that we would all be having some similar thoughts, and so I didn't want to take the, some of the obvious ones. Now, for me, I've talked a lot about this and how I like the emotion of my dining experience there, and that's June. I consider June to be the best restaurant in Houston. I think it right off the bat, it just executed so well in terms of the menu, in terms of the service. And I always go back to like, I really just had an emotional attachment and experience to a meal. And that doesn't happen very often for us. And so I think it's worth noting. So, I mean, I, I continue to go back there and continue to have great experiences. And I look always look forward to the opportunity uh, when I can go back again. So June, top of my list. Well, let's see. We mentioned, uh, you know what? Josephine's once again, my first experience, uh, and continued experiences at Josephine's were just fantastic. What, you know, what chef Lucas is doing there is like real Houston really needed. Like we've talked about the sort of resurgence of seafood and Gulf coast seafood and, and certainly at a high level, but Josephine comes in at that sort of medium level where it doesn't have to be this sort of break the bank, fine dining experience. 
um, you can go there and have a more relaxed one, or you can, you know, d- dive deeper. And what impresses me so much about Josephine's, it's not just what he does with the main courses, like the redfish. It's that he's got like the sides are nailed, uh, the, the starters, uh, and doing things that are really of his voice. You know, this is like, this is who he is. He's not, it, it doesn't look like he's trying to check the box on what's the appropriate you sort of Cajun Houston experience. It's like, this is what I grew up with. This is what I love. And by kind of being true to himself, it, his excellence just shines through. So for me, Josephine's is a strong second. Um, well said. You know what? Uh, then I'll throw in, you know, we talk a lot about pizza. I guess I would go with... I'm going to go with Coastline Pizzeria because once again, I had a great emotional experience there. And and that manifested itself in really an environment. Um, you go in there and you feel like you're in this kind of, you know, old Greenwich Village pizzeria joint, you know, and it doesn't feel like, you know, not like the contrived sort of, I mean, Epcot Center, but more of like, this is what we grew up with. This is the space and we're not going to go super crazy with our decor we're just we're just going to make good food and make this uh, a comfortable area, and it really is. I really like I like the pizza there. I like what they're doing. Uh, you know, it's not Neapolitan all the time. You get that at night. You know, just a, a solid experience. I look and I really see a lot of room for growth with them too. So uh, that would be my number three. All right. Well, I I mean I think you guys have touched on a lot of the places I thought about. But Michael, let me just say I'm with you. I think June is the best new restaurant to open in Houston this year. We've we've talked about it quite a bit, but I just think what what Evelyn Garcia and Henry Liu are doing there is is so special. And and you know, I eat the dishes there and I just feel like I learned something, like not in a didactic yes. you know, way, but but just yes. like it had never occurred to me that these two things could go together before, right? The Brunello with the beef tartare, the Carne seca with the grits, the you know even even the lamb curry dish or the the way that they prepare the fried chicken. I just think, I just think it's so smart and so thoughtful, and and it's really evolved over the year. I mean the the beverage program is is much better now, getting uh, than better it was when they opened. I mean, but it's leaps and bounds from where it was when they opened, and right. the service is more polished. And I just think. You know, every time I go there, I've I've gone there with three different groups of people, and and every time, like everybody just leaves so impressed by it. So I and and it's really, like I don't, you know, I don't understand how Esquire could come to town for for best new restaurants, and not have that somewhere on the list. Like it just it's mind blowing to me. So, you know, this is this is the place I think I hope will get uh, a little more regional and national attention. But but for me, it's it's number one. And then Felice, you mentioned Littles certainly high on the list for me. I just think we've been sort of like, I, I love, like I, I grew up going to various Pappas restaurants, right? Papa Doe, Papacitos, you know, the burger place, stock coffee shop, certainly the steakhouse. And, and, you know, I have a certain interest in sort of, they've, they've tried these different like short-term concepts, right? We remember Pappas Meat Company that, that flourished on the East side uh, for a couple of years, kind of a saltgrass alternative. Michael, you and I had a couple of fun meals at Shrimp Shack, which was this really casual seafood uh, I love thing that, that place. they sort of, uh, they sort of mm-hmm. dabbled in but didn't really commit to. And so, you know, it's nice to just see them like really going for it, right? Like this is a this is a very successful company. They took an iconic location that that little's little Pappas right there on Shepherd. They renovated it. It's beautiful. And then they just they threw all of their like sourcing and wine expertise and service experience and they found a real star in in jason reischeck and just put it all together and it's just like it feels special meals there meals there feel special and it's been incredibly consistent again across i don't know i think i've been there maybe four times every meal there has just been outstanding and it just it feels good in there and i i got to go in last week and try some of the dish the new dishes on the menu and so you can kind of see the restaurant evolving seasonally. And, you know, as long as, as long as Pappas like continues to support this and, and lets Jason do his thing, I think this will be one of the best restaurants in Houston for a long time. Yeah. And then I, I would, I, I'd agree. I have one of my best meals of last year there to be sure. And then, and then the one place that uh, Mary, I actually thought you would talk about, cause we've been there a couple of times together is Mimo. 
Mike Sammons and I was Fernando saving Rios's. that for you. I was okay. like, if I take Katami, I need to leave Mimo. It is one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, I I just think I just think you know we have known Mary, you and I have known uh, Mike and Fernando for a long time. Like I go back to weights and measures days with them. I think you go back even farther to the Demarco days. I was eighteen when I met Mike at Demarco. A long, long time, more than half my life. <laughs> so I just like these are these are two guys who have a ton of experience. They've wanted to work together on their own terms for a really long time. And they opened Mimo really quietly, really humbly, like lunch only, mostly sandwiches. And then they rolled out dinner and it's pizzas and pastas and all these fun little shareable starters. And I was in there recently and there was this just unbelievable like beef cheek special where the the meat just sort of melted on your, your tongue. And it's, you know, it's lightly, it's, it comes with a little arugula, like, you know, a little polenta, like it's, it's a really simple dish and it just lets the flavor shine through. And that's like, that's Italian cooking at its best, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not really worried about whether it's like necessarily the most authentic or the most traditional thing, but. I don't think I it's love... the flashiest restaurant, but I think it's one of the most authentic and it's certainly one of the most simple restaurants. And I mean that in a complimentary way. It's just, it feels good to be in there. The food is delicious. Yeah, it's just got this real humble decor, and it's yeah. not it's not much to look at, right? Like we've had some beautiful restaurants open this year. Houston um, needs more restaurants like this that are of substance, and so that's one of the reasons I love them so much. Yeah, I just think I just think they've done such a good job, and um, you know, it bums me out that that lunch has gone away, but you know, I think they have some plans to. We need a Maybe sandwich do the sandwiches Saturday. in another space or whatever they're going to do, but but you know, Mimo's a place I've been back to again and again, and and just had so many good meals there, and so yeah, that's on the list for me. And then Katami, I mean, we we've talked about Katami, but it, but essentially, you know, Katarabata is arguably the most successful Japanese restaurant in Houston, and and so for the team, it's a it's a tough act to follow, but they you know they figured it out. They kind of leaned into. Japanese ingredients, especially Wagyu beef, especially kind of craft sakis and, and luxury, right? You can get caviar there. You can get, you can get all these different Wagyu preparations. You can get really premium nigiri there. And I, I think kata, like, I think kata is like, kata is easy, right? I can pop into kata for lunch. I can, I can pop into kata for a casual dinner and, and eat, you know, mac and cheese or a bowl of ramen or, or vegetable tempura. And of course, they're not doing any of that at, at Katami. The focus really is on sushi, small plates, sake, and Wagyu beef. And so it's a much more expensive, much more luxurious experience. It feels like a little more of a special occasion, but um, it's executed at a very high level. And so I'm I'm excited to see kind of how that restaurant evolves over time. Agreed. Kata is still the go-to for weekly lunches, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Definitely. All right. So let, let's move on to the, our next topic, which is uh, favorite dishes, right? We've talked about uh, several restaurants that we really like, but but what are, uh, Mary, what are, what are one or two dishes this year from restaurants we haven't talked about yet that you'll, you'll remember or that you'll, you think fondly of? Okay. So the dish that I have been wanting and finally tried at Clark's, the Linguini and clams, it's the spicy sauce. Seafood is obviously something we've been talking about on trend i just i don't know i like i like dishes like that that kind of well comprised well seasoned um and they made that for a houston riff i loved that katami's uh tuna tartare with milked uh milk bread was one of the most delightful dishes i've had this year for sure um those are a couple to start that i love all the pastas at mimo like, honestly, any single one of them. I always try to get a different one when I'm there. Uh, the Pupperdell that I had last time was very good. And then Street to Kitchen has a lot of new dishes with their new location. So I would say literally any of the new dishes. Like, they have corn fritters that are amazing. Um, lots of new... I think they added to their curries. They added to their small plates. So any of their new dishes. Uh, Felice, how about you? What are what are a couple of of dishes from restaurants we haven't talked about yet uh, that you will remember from this year? Well, I was just gonna say, you know, Mary was 
topless um, dishes at restaurants that were her favorites. So she took one of mine. I, <laughs> the steak tartare at, at um, Clark was definitely on my list. I mean, we loved it. It was, yeah, something I'm like, I've, I, and I love Clark. I was going to Austin. We talked about it, but I'd never had the steak tartare and it was outstanding. Um, I also, it was going to be like my top, but then I, I snuck in la the, the other night to make sure that the chili at Wild Oaks was as good as it was when we went. And I'm going to proceed with caution and I'm going to tell them, <laughs> leave the chili alone. Y'all have it. We all gave it a stamp of approval. Y'all gave it a stamp of approval. Leave it alone. It's perfect. So the other night, they're like, oh, we're messing with it to make sure. Well, I'm like, leave it alone. It's good. Yeah, don't so don't fuck don't, don't fuck up the don't chili. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. So if they don't fuck it up, <laughs> that is going to be my I'm like, we were literally blown away. I'm like, oh, this is like top tier, like top three chili in Houston. Like and also, I'm gonna say the um, the little sushi at um, the Balboa Surf Club. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good! So I could just pop those things, pop it all day. It was so good. And again, not expected. Like I wasn't expecting to get the sushi and loving sushi, considering as we said, there's so much good sushi in Houston at sushi restaurants. I'm like, okay, we I wasn't expecting to get to go there and get good sushi and be talking about it at, on the year end show. All right, Michael, how about you? What are what are a couple of your favorite dishes from restaurants you haven't talked about yet? Hmm. I was gonna mention Clark's because the Chiapino there is like the best, some of the best <laughs> I've ever had. But but you know what? We're gonna leave that alone because I, this is gonna be hardly. This, we're gonna be like accused of being paid off by them. So um, correct, correct. All right, all right, I'm gonna go with first of all. You know, we make the pilgrimage, as I say, back up to the north side to Tris and Chef Austin Simmons, and mm. you know what he is doing with his beef program. Uh, I always struggle to pronounce this the Guile beef program there, um, which is the the uh, a Wagyu crossbreed. It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, we went up there and had the meat board and it doesn't fail to disappoint. I mean, to, it, to have something as simple, like a simple protein executed perfectly, you know, no adornment of sauces. It doesn't need uni or a veal stock reduction. It's just like the beef by itself. And it's just, it's just amazing. You know, it's incredible. And that's, uh, you know, that's a very memorable experience for me. Elro, uh, the tuna toast at Elro really kind of blew me away. Also, uh, this, I mean, it's, if you just pitch me like, well, it's, you know, tuna on toast. I'm like, I couldn't be less excited. And you know, when you're, you know, when you're predisposed to almost not liking something and it wins you over, you become that much more of an advocate. And that's what that dish was for me. It was just fantastic. I, I can't wait to have it again. Yeah, you know? no, let, so, let me, let me just, let me just interrupt just to say, that tuna toast was on my list too. And if you, if somebody hadn't mentioned it, I, I was going to go on and on. Cause I just, it's, it's the spicy tuna hand roll that you didn't know you needed. I mean, it just, you get the crunch of the bread and then the, the gojujang spice and just everything about that dish is, is so spot on. It's, it's like, yeah. Thank, thank you, Chef Terrence Gallivant for uh, tuna toast. Cause it's just so good. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, you know, they deserve a shout out. They've been getting some attention lately and they deservedly so. But uh, the taco truck La Sultana in uh, the east side of town, um, man, they do a trumpo out there. They're a pastor. It's just it's a great taco experience. And we we realize like we have many good options in this town. And that is like one of the best ones I've had of recent memory. So. Go out there and you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. It's attached to a, you know, there's a bar next door to it. It couldn't be more, you know, just there's nothing really fancy about the whole experience. So it's a taco truck. I mean, that's what it is. And it's fantastic. So those would be those three would would be my uh, is what I'm going to put out there for right now. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think all of you have listed dishes that I, I thought about, you know, just a couple others, like not to not to dwell, but 
you know, certainly like at Nono's, those those mozzarella sticks, like just they're they're just so thick and so gooey and such an epic cheese pull. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like I mean, I like the pizza, I like the wings, I like the pastas, I like a lot of the stuff they're doing at Nono's, but the the mozzarella sticks really stood out. You know, we we haven't really talked about andiron yet, but a lot of the stuff that they do, that that buckwheat caviar souffle. Uh, that's a top dish decadent well, just so good it's kind and of those, polarizing i find with a lot of people well I, I mean when we had it i just thought it was like one of my favorite things i've ate this year and that pomman you know the pomana oh my gosh yes you know that we we did for my birthday dinner and and everything else i just like that's like my favorite potato thing that i've eaten in a long time and that new burger that wagyu burger that they're doing for lunch and at the bar that uh, burger for dinner fucks hard dude dude the prime ribs i had the prime rib sandwich last week with the palm anna as a sort of a yeah, elongated fry oh yeah it's like you know run do not walk and and enjoy the lunch there because it's <laughs> it's outstanding yeah uh, what are we doing then, friday uh, i guess that's our friday lunch plans excellent <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then the one other thing that we haven't talked about uh the peking duck at benny chow's uh Woo! you know and i know there's yum, yum. i know there's i know there's a lot of good i know there's a lot of good duck in the city but man that dish that dish with the way it was presented and how crispy the skin was and how juicy the meat was and the fat was well rendered and the all the little sauces that came with it i just you know i know that i know that place has been a little bit controversial and and you know it's not it's definitely not for everybody but you know we sat down we sat down we crushed that duck dish and it was so so good delicious all right, uh, Michael. Why don't you kick off classic restaurant of the year, which is I'm I'm defining as just a restaurant that's been open for more than a year that you find yourself going back to, or is there an older restaurant that you discovered for the first time this year? Discovered mm. in, in big quotes that that was your your first that you made your first visit to. Uh, God, I don't think I hit any place new. Oh, you know what? I've well, never been to Soto, I guess. And I've been hearing about Soto for a lot of people uh, from a lot of different, like, really reliable sources, uh, friends of mine who have gone there. And so I finally went and had a dinner there, and it was just an incredible experience. We talk about all the different sushi in this town, and it it seems like there's just like this sort of limitless appetite and certainly based on what's opening it, that, that would appear to be the, the case, but Soto's uh, deserves to be in the top of that, uh, any discussion where that's concerned in the Houston area. Uh, it's really thoughtful to how they execute uh, certain dishes like the Tamago. Okay. Tamago is a simple egg dish that is sometimes just uh, very basic and almost like phoned in at some places. And I, and I'm not trying to be denigrating, but they just, what they do with it there. And I, I don't think I'm really uh, qualified to explain how it all happened, but it, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And to end with that dish that is so basic, it was executed so well, was just a wonderful and heartwarming experience. And, and I look forward to going back there. I need that billions clip of Wags going crazy at the sushi restaurant. <laughs> he spends a year learning to make the Tamago. This man is an artist. He had to spend 10 years learning how to make the Tamago. The egg. The egg? Your expense accounts don't entitle you to fuck his art up the ass. Uh I need that. That that that's I don't know. You just you made me think of you made me think of billions, a show that we said goodbye to this year. So yeah, we need more wags in our life. We need we all need more wags in our life. Yes. Right, Mary, Mary, how about you? What's a what's an old favorite that you find yourself going back to? Or uh, a restaurant that opened in, in prior years that you hadn't been to until this year? You know, just an old favorite. Uh, I don't know why I get like sentimental about some of these restaurants, but Lankford's, um, that was like a stomping ground of mine when I was in law school. My mom was going there when she worked downtown and introduced me to it when I was in school. I, there's just, you know, Aaron Bluedorn did his pop-up this past year there. Uh, they did a collaborative event. It's just really good. It's not fancy. It's a neighborhood dive burger spot and i just i like it like today's the perfect day for langford sunny sit outside on a picnic table um i don't know Aaron i just Blue did a pop-up with langford yes yes he did yes he did uh -huh. like sponsored totally by american that. express or something i don't know yeah it was a resi promotion oh, yeah. okay 
I was like, yeah, Lakeford's getting the hipster up in here. I don't know if I like it. Um, but yeah, so dive spots that are still sticking around. I think co- what COVID taught me was just if you really love a restaurant and you care about it, make sure you go to it because you never know how long it'll be around for. So, um, yeah. Nice choice. All right, Felice, your turn. What's the restaurant you've been to either that you, you find yourself going back to or a place you hadn't been to until this year that was established? A restaurant that I find myself going back to and I literally wish that I could go like once a week if they were closer, Viola and Agnes, um, Neo Soul Cafe off Nassau Row 1. Oh, so good. I would go every week if I could because it's so good. It's, you know, the chef is, they have daily specials. He's preparing. You could go, you could literally go tell him, hey, chef, I would love to see this on the menu and it'll probably pop up maybe the next week as a special if they can get it. The gumbo is literally the best gumbo in the city. Fight your mom if you want. Um, Or Fight me, because I'm telling you it's the best in the city. Maybe besides your mama's. If your mama can make gumbo, hers may be better, right? Other than that, I challenge you to go out there and then tell me that's something that's better so I can go try it, right? Like, Eric has had it. It is literally some of the best gumbo in the city. The menu, they have such, and it's an eclectic menu. It's like soul food done very well. Chef Aaron, Eric, I thought Eric was going to cry when he had the beef cheeks and gravy with the um, llama beans. I mean, it's just really good food. And it's, you talk about connecting with the food. It just makes you feel good. Um, it's a BYOB. It's, you, you know, be patient. Because again, they are, he's in there preparing the food himself. It's just, just like a good time. Yeah. And one, and one, table, at a, and one table at a time. It's slow. I mean, you, but you know, it's, you bring your yeah. patience, bring your patience. You'll be all right. Uh, yeah, no, you, you took my answer because that was the restaurant that I had not been to Viola and Agnes until this too? year. Yeah. 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 This question, this question was basically created so I could talk about how much we enjoyed our meal at Viola and Agnes, you know, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, yes to everything. Yes to everything you said. Yes to how good the gumbo is. Yes to how much I enjoy those beef cheeks. Yes to how incredibly, well-prepared the fried catfish and fried shrimp were you know this is a restaurant that allison cook has been on for a few years and and i not that i not that i wouldn't believe her necessarily but but just to go down there and have that experience and be like yep she's right like you know give it up give it up to allison she 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 nailed it and uh yeah i just i can't say enough good things about uh viola and agnes and then and then the the only other one for me uh, was La Cruderia, the the Mexican seafood restaurant. They they're out in Chinatown, or kind of on the edge of uh, of uh, Bel Air, like what where Chinatown starts. And then they just opened a, a new location up in Spring Branch in the old the Branch space on Long Point. And just you know the the crudos, the ceviche, the uh, you know I had a pork belly taco that I really liked, and and just. Uh, they do they do these really crazy micheladas and everything. It's just it's a lot of fun. It's it's a very delicious restaurant and it's uh, it's a place that I've been sort of like I haven't been to the Spring Branch location yet and I've been like angling to get back there like trying to trying to work that out with a couple of friends because I I just know I'm going to want to order a whole bunch of stuff like way way more than <laughs> I can responsibly consume by myself. So I've been trying to to work it out to bring a couple of people with me, but. Uh, yeah, Viola and Agnes and, and La Cruderia for me were the uh were at the top of the list. And then uh Mary, let me let me pivot to our next topic, what I'm calling Saddest Shutter. What what restaurant or bar that closed this year will you miss the most? Ooh, uh selfishly, probably Cafe Louis, honestly. I know that it wasn't around very long, uh, and we can still get chef's food from his uh, garden series pop-up that he does, and we can get his sister's pastries uh, at the plant on Harrisburg, uh, Eden plant store on the weekends. But I like his style of food. Um, I know that he has 
plans to open a spot. I don't know all the details of that, but I really liked the casualness of Cafe Louis and I thought it appealed to a wide amount of people, but maybe not wide enough, or maybe they were just too early in that center. But I like his style of food. He worked for Chris Bianco. He's really talented. That's my saddest closure of the year. If you had said anything else, I would have been shocked. I mean, your love for that place yeah. is, is so well documented and, and the passion, the, how you express it, it's just uh, impressive. Yeah, I and I like that style of food that has a big part to do with it. But I just, you know, I like the little guy and I want them to succeed. And and it's sad when um, any restaurant that tries this hard closes this early. So that's my that's my one I miss the most this year. Yeah, no, I, I I mean, I agree with you. I think, you know, they had an interesting pivot with Louis Italian American. And I, I thought, you know, that was an interesting idea, but I, I really did prefer that cafe Louis menu, that like classic bistro food that Angela was serving. And and I think he, he will be back next year. I think, you know, I think we can expect uh, Angie's pizzas will finally have a permanent home and they'll do maybe some cafe Louis stuff kind of on the side, but uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it bumps me, it, you know, I'm, I'm sad that that didn't work out, but also that paved the way for street to kitchen to move. So you know, it's a little, it's more sort of bittersweet than anything, but uh, yeah, that, that one's been, that was too bad. Um, Felice, how about you? What, what's your uh, status closure of, of 2023? Um, so we've at the beginning of the year, earlier in the year, um, it was 1751 CN bar ending middle part of the year, finding out that Miss Carousel would not be coming back. Yeah that part um you know i used to like um 1751 i used to go there all the time happy hour get some oysters get you know a couple of cocktails and kind of chill so and um transitioning over i used to like go there all the time before you know the old ownership new ownership i wouldn't go as much but i still went so them closing down I think that one probably was definitely the saddest for me. Yeah. There's been a lot, but that one was the saddest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in some ways it's like 1751 and, and Starfish, the restaurant that preceded it uh, under different mm-hmm. ownership kind of preceded this whole wave of seafood restaurants that we talked about a little bit earlier. And in, and in some ways it is too bad that they didn't, you know, elect renew the lease or hold on or, or change things up because they would have been very much on trend. They were kind of in the vanguard. Trend, and I yep. think they could have, mm-hmm. I think they could have leaned into this renewed interest in, in seafood and maybe food. Yep. Yeah. Kind of rebooted or redefined themselves and been, and been right in the middle of everything. So yeah, I'm hundred percent. I had, I had good meals there. Yeah. Um, Michael, how about you? What, what restaurant that closed this year? Will you miss the most? No, there were several. Well, first off, I you know would be remiss not to mention the world of barbecue. Blake's Barbecue had been around for about 42, 43 years out in West Chase, and they shut down. Uh, it wasn't particularly great barbecue, but they were part of the community. Sorry to see them go. I mean, the same thing could be said for the swinging door out in Richmond. It was just like part of the community. And it's always, for me, sad to see uh, that happen when you know, an institution like that closes. But, you know, we move on. So... You know, some tough choices where, you know, I had hoped places like Georgia James Tavern and Roberta's were going to be something more than they were, and they didn't make it. And in my neighborhood, shun. But for me, the one that I guess hit hardest uh, would be Fobin and Fobin by night. I mean, it was the first place yeah. I ever had pho, like for breakfast. You know, I didn't know it could be this good. And then <laughs> at repeated, you know, uh, uh, experiences there told me that it was that good. It was just, it was fantastic for a dish that was just, I mean, the place was so singular. It didn't do a lot of anything else. And, you know, it's, it's time is now in the past and uh, I'll miss it. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I remember that moment in about, I don't know, 2008, nine, somewhere in that kind of ballpark when uh, David Viewer of Greenway Coffee just, emerged as this incredible advocate for Fub and trailer and just basically insisted on anybody he knew, like go down there. And that included, you know, Allison cook and Rob Walsh. And, and they, they were struck by 
how, you know, they were really impressed by it and wrote about it and, and got, got some interest for it. And, and I think there was that moment when it was kind of one of those restaurants that if you were serious about food, you had to go make that drive down to Beamer road and, and try the pho and have that experience. And, uh, yeah, I think it, you know, it paved the way for, for pho bin to grow to locations across the city, uh, including pho bin by night, which also closed this year and, and which was such a, a fun late night staple and, and you could go yeah. and get that bone marrow at, oh. you know, at like 11 o'clock or midnight and, and just have this really, this really satisfying bowl of soup. And so, yeah, I mean the, you know, the diminishment of, of pho bin is, is one of the big ones. Uh, we talked about Louis, you mentioned Shun. I mean, you know, the only other one that, that really struck me is that, um, you know, Hubcap Grill on 19th street. Uh, which, you know, I know they started in downtown, but, but 19th street is kind of where Hubcap Grill grew up. You know, it, it, yeah. it had uh, a better beer selection. It had a whole lot more seating than the downtown location. It had a bigger menu with more burgers and, and man, there was a, there was that moment from what about, you know, maybe 2010 to maybe 2015 or 16 when Hubcap Grill was the consensus best burger in Houston. Yeah. Uh, all those creative toppings of fresh cut fries and just, you know, when, when Ricky Craig made a, you know, couldn't renew his lease or the property was sold or whatever happened. And he had to, he had to close that location. And, and, you know, thankfully there's still, there's Hubcap Grill in Pearland, there's Hubcap Grill in Kima, there's one in Galveston. Uh, so it's not like it's gone. Like if I, if I want it, I can go get it. But when that closed, it was that, you know, that was a tough moment. Like, Ooh, man, I had so many, I had so many good memories there of so many good meals there that, uh, that one, that one stung a little bit. Yeah, you got to drive now. Just like same thing with uh, Chivos and Billy of the Beast. I got to drive now. Yeah, yeah, I made that drive to Belly of the Beast. It's gonna, it's gonna be a minute before I make that drive again. It's, it's pretty far away. All right, and then uh, let's let's wrap things up on a on a more optimistic note. I know we're running a little bit long, but uh, but Felice, uh, kick us off. What restaurant are you most looking forward to that's going to open next year? So. I thought about this. Well, come back to me. Come back to me because I had two and I'm going to uh-huh. make my final. I make my <laughs> final. No, no, no. I'm going to decide. I'm decided. It's going to be Bar Blue Dorn for me. 100%. I'm going Blar, Bar Blue Dorn because of the, you know, the nostalgia of the location. And I'm here for it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, I got to say, having talked to Aaron and <laughs> Chef Ali uh, on last week's podcast, for anyone who hasn't listened to that, uh, such a fun conversation with them about uh, the way Bar Blue Dorn is coming together. I And I, I happened to see Aaron this weekend at Fluff Bake Bar for the pop-up, and a woman came up to us and said that she lived in the Memorial area, and they just can't wait. Like, they just, you know, they're like, they like Federal Grill, and they like Mazras, and they like the Good Company stuff, but they just... They're just, they're so ready for something new that's of quality and they just can't wait uh, for Bar Blue Dorn to open. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one. The Memorial people are new. Everyone outside of that area is not going to be able to get in there because that is going to be the neighborhood spot. No, it's always been, it's going to be so packed all the time. (laughs) Uh, All right, Mary, what about you? What's on your list? What are you looking forward to for 2024? Um, I'm going to maybe surprise you with this one. I have uh, clients that are moving into a building nearby, and I do think this whole area is going to have a lot of restaurants and bars that are going to open that are going to be very popular. Uh, this, this one is Toca Madera. This is off mm-hmm. Allen Parkway. It's a Mexican house. It's going to be something been to this concept in other locations um it's in la and vegas and scottsdale um so i i want to see i want to see what their take is for houston um i think it'll be a you know lively atmosphere i want to see if the food matches and the environment but i'm excited for this little section of allen parkway just up from blue dorn uh i think it's going to be an exciting little area for houston for restaurants no, I think I think that's a good one. Uh, I think you know we've we've been talking all year about all of the development that's going on on Allen Parkway or near Allen Parkway. You know, it's Tommy Andiron, Lagroya moved, uh, Annabelle Brasserie, everything going on in Autry Park. 
you know, even even Georgia James and Pastore right there, uh, just off Allen Parkway. So that's a that's a dynamic area. And yes, I think you're right. I think Tokamadera. And then the other restaurants come into the Thompson Hotel from the the Mina Group veterans, the uh the French place and and then the supper club, I think. Those will be those will be two restaurants to watch too. I think I think a lot of a lot of good stuff happening on that on that property. Yeah, I want to see what the bar looks like at the Thompson Hotel. Like, dear God, Houston is ever due for a hip new hotel. Like, seriously, we're so, we lag so far behind other cities and our offerings. We don't even have one. It seems like it feels like. I mean, it's like Post Oak Hotel for Tillman, and then like Grand Duca, Houstonian those, needs a facelift like real bad. Um, those are lush yeah. and luxurious. There's nothing hip about them. Um, like we yeah. do need one. I hope we get them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I really like I really like the Four Seasons, and I think that renovation has served it really well. But it's not, it's not hip. It's luxurious. Like that's that's the focus. The exterior so. is doo doo brown. So no. All right, Michael. What are you What are you looking forward to in twenty twenty four? You know, um, you know, Levi Good has a, a restaurant empire. He is a restaurateur. Uh, you know, Jim Good started it all, and I think. His opening of Credence is his way of putting, saying, this is, this is mine. And this is not going to be like a sort of casual dining affair. This is going to be something really upscale. And so we'll see what all those years of experience of uh, being a sort of a, a middle road operator, you know, not high end, uh, what's going to happen when he takes that step. And I, I think he's going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of passion put into that. And so I'm really curious to see how that manifests itself. Yeah, you know, I think I think those are all very good choices. Uh, you know, just a couple others that that occurred to me. I mean, certainly Marigold Club, uh, the new concept from Goodnight Hospitality, the Continental Restaurant. Uh, they hired Austin Waiter from Tony's. They've sent him to London and and Paris to Stodge, and so he's bringing some really interesting ideas. And I just have this sense that we've been to we've been to Rosie Cannonball, we've been to March. We know what that that group is capable of in terms of design. And so it's like, what do they do in a bigger venue uh, with the success that they've achieved and, and with a real clear vision? I just, I think just visually, it's going to be, it's going to be a really special place. So, so that's on the list for me. You know, we talked about Tavola last week, Ben Berg's new Italian restaurant. Uh, when I was talking to him, he mentioned Prime 131, his new live fire concept. Uh, that's opening in the Timber Grove area and, and that the, the grills are going to be in the center of the dining room and you're going to be, you know, the, the seating is going to be sort of tiered so that you can watch them cooking and that it's going to be a real show. So, so just having, hearing how excited Ben was about that new restaurant has me excited about it. And then this is maybe just a little bit more personal to me, but, you know, we talked about Indianola closing. Well, Agricole Hospitality, the the company that did Indianola, is replacing it with a Tex-Mex restaurant called Highway Cantina, and uh, I just think that's going to be. I'm I'm just you know I like the food at I like the food at Eight Row Flint. It it kind of leans Mexican, so I'm excited to see what they do. Like you know, full Tex-Mex vibes. Uh, also, that's pretty close to home, so uh, you know that could that could definitely crack my rotation. And, and then just the last one is is Nickel City, the cocktail bar from Austin. Like they're yes finally on track to open in Edo next year. And and you know I've, I've I went to Nickel City briefly uh, when I went to Austin last year, but I didn't I didn't get a full experience. And but I I know how much respect like Linda has for Travis for Tober. Travis Tober and and everything that they've accomplished and and just the way other other operators feel about uh, Nickel City and everything they've accomplished. So I just think that's going to be a really nice addition to Houston. And and I'm looking forward to that. All right, y'all, I want to wrap this up with maybe the most self-indulgent uh, self-referential topic, but uh, we had a couple of really fun uh, draft episodes this year. We did, we did burgers and we did Tex-Mex and, you know, these were among the most popular episodes of the year. So Felice Sloan, kick us off. What what should we draft sometime on the podcast in 2024? I pitched mine to you a couple months ago. The progressive, you know, like you, the topic is you have a progressive night or in what, what's your meal, right? You start with apps and 
and you're doing the dinner, where do you go, right? Oh, I like do... this idea. Uh-huh. So, all right. So, so, oh, so like just, just, just oh, lay it out. So, so, That's fun. So what do you think? Apps, yeah. entrees, dessert, and then after dinner drinks? Is that oh, the, is that what we're drafting? Right. Yep. And then you get, um, and then we have like a, you know how you always have like a, um, a mystery category or an yeah, alternative card. category, a wild card. And then we have a wild you, card. She's got yep. this already worked out. This is awesome. <laughs> I do. I literally pitched. I pitched this thing one day walking. We were, where were we? We were somewhere. I go, Eric, here's an idea. I literally, he was walking to the car. <laughs> That's what I got. All right. All right. Well, I will take, I will, I will take uh, the progressive dinner draft under consideration. Mary, how about you? What What do you think we should draft in 2024? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I like, you know, some of the drafts that we've done are on the more casual side. You could go high end if you want to, like best steakhouse, that type of thing. Or, you know, we did Tex-Mex, but we didn't necessarily do tacos, right? Like best taco truck, right? Mm-hmm. Get with it. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, also, we're coming into crawfish season, like favorite crawfish spots. Like, I like I this know. idea too. It like starts it. to get like this it. time of year, and I'm like, I start to crave crawfish. So, sucking head, you know. and tail. It's the American dream. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think, I think the crawfish draft is more of a seafood draft, right? Where do you go? Okay. You know, raw oysters, cooked oysters, uh, mm-hmm. regular like Cajun crawfish, vineyard Cajun crawfish, seafood entree. I think, I think it okay. takes that kind of form. We like it. What's your spelling? right? I don't think, I don't think we're just going to draft crawfish, right? Like we could talk about our favorite crawfish spots and favorite uh, seafood boil. Let's go. Like, yeah, come on, I think, favorite po' boy. Yeah, I think when that's got some Scott, potential. I'm so hungry right now. I'm blaming you for this. <laughs> I know, right? All right, Michael, how about you? What do you think we should we should? Yeah, draft? I thought about this because it's a hard category because it's got to be something that has some kind of variety to it and is at the same time accessible. It can't be kind of obscure, like like who's got the best omakase. It's almost a little too high end and elitist. So We're not I would that go. Busy. Yeah, I would are. go I would go with pizza uh just because we've done kind of all the tried and true, you know, barbecue and Tex-Mex and I think pizza has a lot of variety to it. It's everybody has their place in the neighborhood as well as there's destination places and we all have our favorites, so I think that would be a good call. Yeah, you know, I've thought about pizza, a deep dish, a thin crust, you know, a side a, a side like a I don't know, like wings or mozzarella sticks, or maybe wings is one thing and sides is another, uh, mm-hmm. or a salad or whatever, and then uh, or like a sub. I don't. I I think there's I think there's a lot of potential with pizza. I think I think mm-hmm. there's some there's some interest in the audience for uh, the pizza draft or or maybe more broadly the Italian restaurant draft. I haven't haven't quite figured that out yet. That's that's definitely under consideration. Uh, I'll name drop. I'll say Bobby Hugel pitched me on a cocktail draft. I, I had I fun sort it. of imagining. I had fun sort of imagining. I like that. Uh, um, a martini, a margarita, <laughs> a whiskey cocktail, a frozen cocktail. I think we could, you know, we we get a we get an interesting group of drafters. We we'd have to mix it up a little bit. Whiskey some, cocktail, some gin new, cocktail. Yeah, a, right. Um, a gin and yeah, right, a gin can, and tonic, a yeah. whiskey cocktail. Yeah, a frozen you cocktail, so a margarita, yeah, a martini. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. could have a we could have a little fun with a cocktail draft. And then, you know, the one that I sort of fantasize about is a, a steakhouse draft, uh, a big steak, That's a little what Mary steak. Said. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a big steak, a little steak, a potato side. Yeah, uh, that works. Another side, a, a, a hot app, a cold app, a dessert, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. I think we could I think we could have a lot of fun with a with a steakhouse draft. So those are in the mix. I, so, Eric, you have a list for 2024. There you go. Yeah, I have a, I have some <laughs> ideas. I think you have you know, ideas we, did, we did two drafts. We did two drafts in 2023. I, 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 I do sort of have a vision of doing them quarterly, but I also don't want them to. I don't want to wear it out, you know. I don't. I don't want to do them too often. Yeah, um, two is good. Run out of ideas for no two for 2025 is good year, and 2026 because uh, this was a great. You know, I haven't. I haven't. I. I think I said this recently in the intro, but we've had a great year. Uh, you know, going to two episodes a week and and making them shorter and a little easier to listen to. Not that we've. Not that we've done that today, but. <laughs> But it's been it's been very successful. Uh, you know, more people are listening to the show than ever before. Uh, that's a credit to the hard work of 
all of you guys and, and our other co-hosts, Linda Salinas and Monica Dana, who who weren't able to participate today for, for personal reasons. And of course, to our producer, Michael Carroll, who does all the hard work behind the scenes. Here, uh, here. But we love you, Michael. But it's been a great it's been a great year for the show. And so let me let me thank my panelists one more time. Michael Fulmer, Felice Sloan, and Mary Clarkson for for doing this exercise with me. Thank you for listening. We're going to take the rest of the year off. We'll be back January 9th with a new episode. But in the meantime, we're going to rerun uh, a few of my favorite episodes from the last year just to kind of, again, because there are so many more of you listening now. Maybe you missed it. So we'll give you something to, and if you've listened to them before, like maybe you'll listen to them again or maybe you won't. But anyway, let's I just, give them something to talk about or something. To, yeah, something to listen to. But anyway, again, that is our year in review podcast. Thank you for listening. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next year.